I'm Barbara, I'm a compulsive overeater, and I feel like I should have a whiteboard and a PowerPoint presentation. Um, I, keep, I keep looking for, and now there is the economic explanation of the Peloponnesian War. Um, I have been in this program for 32 years. I have been coming to meetings that entire time. I have been abstinent that entire time except when I took six months off to marry a drug addict. Um, my current abstinence, it pisses me off. I blew off 13 years of abstinence um, for the sake of love. Um, and when I was over that, I, I kind of went, well, what did God wish to teach me? And God wished to teach me, well, let's not do that again. Um, my current abstinence <coughs> is 19 years. Um, I, the date of my, my new abstinence date, um, it's, it's no coincidence, I don't think, that my new abstinence date is two days before the anniversary date of my husband's death because I knew that when I got abstinent again in the back of my mind I knew that that was going to tank the relationship and I knew that if I uh, if I asked him to leave he would die and he did um, and that by that time of course I was abstinent again and I, I still remember coming into the uh, uh, to the meeting the following Monday and saying hey my husband died Saturday night um, and without this program I've been in this program for so long um, without this program I don't know I literally don't know where I'd be and for those of you who are new for those of you who are struggling for those of you who are thinking it is such a pain in the shorts to come to meetings and it's a pain in the shorts to track your food and it's the whole program takes work um, but I think it's kind of a hallmark of things that God creates that they are infinite that you can keep learning new things you can keep walking you can keep going and you know after after 32 years in this program there is still infinities to go in this program um, my to give you an idea of where I come from um, my parents my parents my mother was an adult child of an alcoholic my father will not talk about his family at all uh, <laughs> But this meant that I grew up in a household going, what's wrong with this picture? 
and having my parents go, there's nothing wrong with this picture. Um, many years later, when I got outside help, uh, I, it was interesting because after I had left my home, my parents went on their own spiritual path. And so, looking back on it, as I was getting outside help, thinking um, things could have been different at home. And yet, I can't be mad at those people because they don't exist anymore. They are two sweet, lovely little old people who love each other very much. And the people who existed back in the 1960s are gone. Um, so it's like I can't, I can't be mad at them. So, and I'm just glad they're still around. Um, I knew, I know looking back that I was a compulsive eater, certainly from the time I was four years old. I was always the fat girl uh, in grade school in junior high I started going on diets when I was about 16 um, I joined Overeaters Anonymous in 1983 and about after about five years in I became abstinent within the first week this was out in uh, the Ontario area um, became abstinent within the first week after I had been in for about five years my doctor told me I really needed to lose weight my top weight by the way was um, probably around 210 my doctor told me you need to lose weight I had lost some weight in OA I joined a commercial weight loss program worked like a champ I lost 85 pounds and my immune system and for the following 25 years I would get sick five six eight times a year um, I in the early 80s I got into a uh, a field of making my living that I don't know anyone else who does what I do under the circumstances in which I do it and I've always felt slightly out of step and this simply increased being out of step because I kind of didn't have anyone to say how do you work your program under these circumstances um, I am still a fairly highly qualified professional in two fields of work that no one wants to pay for <laughs> so I am currently working I'm currently underemployed in two jobs together they make enough to pay my expenses but it means that I am working pretty much all the time and I am very tired pretty much all the time so since the bottom fell out of the market in one job and I took the other job 
and I'm working both jobs, I am not able to work as, uh, as diligent a program as many people in meetings have told me that I ought to. So I will just um, enter the caveat that I am, uh, I am slightly out of step with the program also. Um, in the future, I hope that will change. It has not changed yet. Um, I have always received extremely clear guidance from my higher power. So I assume that I am where I need to be right now. Um, as I said, I met and fell desperately in love with and married a very, very charming drug addict. And for a number of years, and this is when I had been in the program about eight years, eight or ten years. Um, and because he lived in New Orleans, we, for about three years, we moved, we, uh, we were bi-coastal. Okay, this was before the bottom fell out of my my first job and I had a lot more money then than I did now. And I will have to say that gave me great appreciation for the strength of OA in Los Angeles. Because New Orleans, of course, is one of those towns that is dedicated to excess and poor style of life. And this was back in the mid to late 90s. And it was very hard to find meetings frequently they would say oh there's a meeting such and such there and you know you get to the building and it's locked up and the only things there are the rats running across the porch um, oh you should see what happens in Jackson Square at night with all that popcorn laying on the ground um, and they also did not have timers at meetings. So generally when I was in New Orleans, I would go to an open addicts meeting, which was alcoholics, drug addicts. I think I was the only compulsive overeater at that meeting. It was wonderful. It was at a cafe down in the uh, warehouse district, 7 o'clock in the mornings. It was a wonderful meeting. Um, the other thing that I got into uh, when I was married to my beloved was um, Al-Anon and I learned a great deal about the closeness of this program with that program that I was some of my eating was over issues in the other program um, as I said I I knew when I finally asked him to leave. Asking him to leave was one of the hardest things I've ever done. If I had not been cleanly, squeaky clean abstinent, I could not have done it. Um, and I remember at the time when I was working up to it, I had two notes posted on the side of my computer. One of them used to be when people had those big garden mazes and people would go in the maze and get lost. They'd usually have a guy on a tower looking down at the maze because when you're in a maze you can't see all you can see is the walls 
they'd have a guy sitting on the tower and he'd shout directions to you turn right turn left so I had a note posted on my computer my friends had to help me get out of this relationship had a note posted on the computer saying if you are lost in the maze pay attention to the directions that are being shouted to you from the tower <laughs> and the other note posted on my computer said if you are camped at night in enemy territory do not serve liquor to your perimeter guards <laughs> and for me going even a little bit off my food plan I have to be squeaky clean abstinent in order to think clearly um, back in my pre-program days when I was with a very hard partying karate club out in Riverside one of the other members said to me when you are abusing a substance it is really easy to stay in a place that you should get out of and so all of this went into I could not have gotten out of that relationship because I loved this man desperately I still do um, I could not have gotten out of that relationship if I were not abstinent and the thing about abstinence is it restores me to sanity okay um, it restores me to sanity which means I can pay attention to instructions it restores me to sanity meaning I can follow a food plan I have been on a number of commercial food plans because I need that accountability um, I have for the past 20 years I have weighed and measured my food consistently those of you who are new to the program those of you who are struggling I promise you you get used to it okay? um, I have also avoided certain foods I can truthfully say um, for 32 years I have not binged for 32 years I have been conscious of what I was eating even when I went off for that six months I was conscious of this is something I this is iffy this is something I shouldn't be doing um, but you know I have 32 years of relief from binging I was a terrible binger um, I would leave my friends to go home and binge Um, so being restored to sanity means that I can follow a commercial food plan and that is what I do and one problem is that after my husband's death two things happened one um, I've always had a problem with being in groups of people and after my husband's death that increased a hundredfold for the first year or two it was it is still extremely difficult for me to come to meetings I feel extremely unsafe at meetings um, because one of my jobs involves lecturing to semi-illiterate community college students several times a week 
I'm fine lecturing, but it runs me out of people points for the week. And I go back to this, um, this demophobia, this, this terror of groups of people. And, of course, the other thing that happens, uh, the Germans have a word for what the weight that you put on when you are grieving. The Germans call it grief bacon. <laughs> Very elegant term there. So I put on about 30 pounds of grief bacon and have never been able to use it, to lose it, um, no matter what I have done. So... That is my, the story and the statistics. However, I no longer weigh 210 pounds. And of the weight that I lost, I am still down 40 pounds from what I was in 1983. And that weight has never come back on. And it has been a hard fight every single goddamn day. Um, on the other hand the program nowhere in the 12 steps does it say step 12 and you lose weight (laughs) Um, you will be restored to sanity what you do with this sanity is your business and the other great thing that the program has done for me is uh, It has modeled behavior that was not modeled for me when I was a child at home. It has taught me vocabulary words. You know, like when you used to go to a language class and they give you these little sentences. And so you'd learn the vocabulary. And I had to learn vocabulary sentences like, none for me, thanks. It was so sweet of you to make that specifically for me. But I can't have any. Um, Eating that drives me crazy. Be honest. Um, You might be right. (laughs) That was one I learned in the other program. You might be right. Thinking, you might not, and I don't think you are. You might be right in bizarro world. Um, But... One of the big things this program has taught me is step back and don't get in a fight. It ain't worth it. Pick your battles. You know, if there is someone who is mistreating an animal, yes, I will step forward and get in a fight. If there is someone who is expounding what sounds to me like political insanity, I'll say, I need to go to the bathroom right now. (laughs) Program has taught me this home did not teach me that I could not have learned anything in program unless I had been restored to sanity I could not have been restored to sanity for me I must have a food plan I must stay with that food plan because it's like pouring poison in the brain Um, my brain just gets clouded I become argumentative I start to ignore the fact that other people actually exist. You know, that when I'm overeating, people become just projections on a screen. I don't think about what they're thinking. I don't think about what they're feeling. 
that's how I was before I started program. I was. Oh, and the other thing is the catch about um, becoming abstinent is that my my undrugged state of being is restless, irritable, and discontent. I will obsess for weeks that my best friend hates me. And once I have been reassured on this, within hours, I'm looking for something else to obsess about. I'm looking for something else to bother, to bother me. Um, I don't know how sane people exist. I don't know how sober people exist. Um, my, because I am an addict, my normal state is restless, irritable, and discontent. The only soothing that I can get for this is through program. Um, I talk to my sponsor twice a week now. She's going through her own issues. So I talk to her twice a week. Um, During the summertime, when I'm a little bit more able to deal with people, I try to get to two meetings a week. But because I have had health issues all year, I generally get to one meeting a week. But I get to one meeting a week. And if I can't make it to this meeting, I will make damn sure I get to another one. If I can't get to any meetings, which I couldn't earlier in the year when I was ill, I would listen to podcasts. Um, those podcasts are a lifesaver. Um, I pray and meditate 20 minutes in the morning and have set times for prayer and meditation several more times during the day. Just very brief. Um, pray before I go to bed at night. I will generally... Uh, I'll generally run through on awakening in the morning just to it's like okay we're going to go forward where's the map that has the location of the minefield on it okay you look at the map you say the minefield is there so we're going to go there there and there or we're going to take a mind detector Um, I find that on awakening is one of the most useful things that I can do for myself I generally know what I'm going to eat for the day and because I am one of those people, I eat, I'm like a dog. You give me my can of alpha and I'm fine. In the commercial program, they say, oh, and you can try thousands of new recipes. I'm, I am weird as a sack of snakes. Okay? I don't live that way. I tell them thousands of new recipes is a trigger for me. It's a trigger to overeat. You give me my chicken, you give me my oatmeal, you give me my three pieces of fruit, and I'm good. Any further than that, I'm off and running. Um, I have a food plan. My food plan right now is about 1,000 calories a day, um, which includes three fruits and one serving of grain. Okay? I need to take off the grief bacon. And I have found that the only way I can lose weight is by stressing my body a lot. So, 
Um, but again, my experience in this, uh, in this regard is not typical. So, sponsor meetings. I'm terrible at the telephone. I do sponsor, uh, but it's email. It's food sponsoring because I do not have the time or the energy to be a good sponsor sponsor. I do what I can. Um, I've been in the program 32 years. I hope all of you out there will one day be able to say that because it is a lifesaver. Thank you very much. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself, but please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Yes? Thank you so much. Um, you said that it's going to fight every step of the way, every day we fight. How, in terms of the, the abstinence, how is that sanity? How is that sanity? Because because so far I have been able to pray for willingness to follow the food plan. When I think, oh, you know. Another, another piece of fruit wouldn't hurt. Another couple of pieces of fruit won't hurt. Um, I, if it's really bad, I pray. I remember, I remember to pray for the willingness to ride through it. That's as close to sanity as I can get. Yes. Um, the thing that I have done for my living since 1981 um, sometimes it has been very scary sometimes it has been rather discouraging and I have sought other forms of employment and Somebody once told me, in front of every door that you are not supposed to walk through, stands an angel with a flaming sword. And there were times when I felt like I was walking down a hall with doorways and just nothing but angels with flaming swords standing in front of every doorway but the path that I was supposed to walk. And then sometimes I felt like they all saluted me with their swords as I walked by. Um, it's like sometimes I can't follow any other course. Things won't let me. There have been times when I have really, really wanted to do something. And this little voice in the back of my mind says, that's really stupid, Barbara. Um, and I went ahead and did it, and it's like, yes, that little voice was right. It's really stupid. Um, 
and you know like my like my marriage uh, it's one of those things somebody said well I guess it just wasn't supposed to be I said no it was supposed to be but now it's supposed to be done Um, that's as close as I can get to explaining it but as I said my my view of my higher power is really weird and I am really weird so that's as close as I can get to explaining that yes thank you Barbara having said that would you explain your relationship and your higher power? What he, she, it does to you and how you lie and how you accept? As a small child, I was brought up by, at that point in time, my parents were repellently pious. And I was brought up in... an old-fashioned and rather intolerant Christian environment. I have never lost my belief that there is a higher power, but, and I have always relied on the guidance of my higher power, um, but I... I can neither describe nor explain it. Sorry. Yes. Thanks. Um, can you talk about in step six of your process of identifying your character defects? I have worked through the steps several times with different sponsors. I haven't done it recently. Um, and they were they were fairly rigorous. I would write particularly that first one that first fourth step I would write about incidents where I totally screwed up and sometimes just writing about it I would go okay my defect of character there was being really selfish or writing about a relationship with people in my life and You know, in in a couple of cases, people who were in my life for whom I had contempt. And writing that out, going, why do I have contempt for this person? And looking at it going, it's because of my vanity. Um, It's because of my self-centeredness. Um, generally writing out sometimes I would break it down I remember on on one of them I broke it down by people in my life another time I broke it down in like five year chunks Um, another the first time of course was just oh my god how could I have done that it's like well how could you have done that dear Um, many times I have done a tenth step wrote a letter to God and then had God write a letter back to me 
um, God is always pretty good about pointing out my character defects. Other times, it's just come to me, oh my God, how could I have been so ghastly stupid? Um, Mostly they come back to self-centeredness and fear. And one of my superpowers, because everyone gets some superpowers, and one of my superpowers is in any, and this is just something I was born with, in any given situation, I will say the least appropriate, (laughs) stupidest, most offensive thing in the universe. And that's just my superpower. Um, I have had it since I was a very small child. And all I can do is I am powerless over this. It has made my life unmanageable for many, many decades. God can restore me to sanity. I do it much less than I used to. God is slowly restoring me to sanity. Yes. Uh, hi, thank you. That's a great message. How did you um, walk through the pain that you experienced when you left that charming? Uh, go ahead. Oh. Um, and did you make friends with him? I realize I should have been repeating the questions. How did I get through the pain of breaking up with someone I loved dearly and still love in spite of the fact that he's been dead now for many years. Um, God restored me to enough sanity that I could listen to my friends and to my therapist. All of them telling me he has his own road. He has his own higher power. Um, You know, I remembered a story that uh, Sir Laurence Olivier told about he was married to the actress Vivian Leigh, who was, uh, had substance abuse problems. And he said he had a dream that he was on a, a boat, big ocean liner, and that she was drowning in the water. And he knew that if he leaped in to save her, he would die too. And the choice is, are both of you going to die or am I going to live? That was how it was with my friends telling me, You've got to leave this man. We did remain friends. Um, And my friends helped me when when I got the phone call that they'd found his body. Um, My friends helped me get through that period of time in spite of the fact that all of them were going, oh, thank God. (laughs) I... I am terribly embarrassed about having loved him. I am terribly embarrassed about loving him still. But, you know, that's... Without the program, I would not have listened to my friends. Without the program, I would not have walked on. You had... Yes. Thank you, Um, You mentioned having difficulties with big groups of people. Yes. 
sort of having, you know, knowing yourself and that you, you can only do that so much. Do you ever find yourself um, having had too much exposure or whatever the words are, you know, experiencing a group of people and it being overwhelming or somehow difficult and then how do you cope with that in, you know, in a house tonight? Uh, the question is, how do I cope with my horror of large groups of people um, when I become overexposed? And uh, I have to fall back on piece of wisdom from my complete lowly stoner sister. Um, <laughs> who just says you've got to maintain back in the 60s back in the early 70s when you were so yeah it's like you maintain until you can get out of the room um, it's much easier as everyone who has been through the 60s and 70s can attest uh, that is actually much easier if you are moderately clean and sober and the soberer you are the better you can maintain um, again, this is this is uh, preventative medicine. I need to stay clean. I need to stay close to my food plan. I need to do my prayer and meditation, and smile. Um, smile be friendly and remember this is one of those little internet memes um, remember that every person you meet is fighting a battle that you have no concept what it is and that helps me also that because of abstinence because of this program I am now mostly able to see people as actual people and not just as projections. And once I do that, it's like, okay, don't, don't insult anybody, don't hurt anybody. Um, maintain until you can get out of the room. <laughs> Are we... Two minutes? One more? Yes. Oh, I thought you were telling me my time was up. I was going to ask a question and say, thank you, Sheriff Barbara. I think you and I share a superpower. Do you have any issues with self-discipline, getting yourself to do the things that you need to do for work, the things that you need to do to take care of yourself and do you have trouble or did you in the past getting yourself to do it and if you fixed it how? Um, shame and embarrassment was how I fixed it um, there was a period of time when I was clinically depressed and the shame and embarrassment of the way that I let myself and my house get um that was before I got into program. I have never gone back to 
the point of having to pour boiling water in my sink to, to kill the maggots again. Okay? Um, my, part of my self-discipline consists of you must take a shower in the morning. You must be dressed all day. Um, maybe it's totally grubby stuff that I wouldn't go out of the house in, but you've you got you to gotta wear all your underwear and you've got to be completely dressed. Um, you cannot take a questionable hygiene day. Um, again, I think abstinence helps this. I think years and years of program helped this. Um, but I have to admit that, and, and again, prayer and meditation helps this. Um, and again, the vivid recollection of what those maggots looked like in the sink really helps this. I never want to go back there. Okay? 